Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Today, we're introducing a new series to What Fresh Hell called From the Vault. We're going back through our years worth of hundreds of episodes and pulling out a few that we think are worth a re-listen, or maybe you missed them the first time around. Oh, missed them the first time, guys. Here you go. Today's episode is about anger management for kids. This was a very helpful one for me. When we were looking for our first From the Vault episode, Amy, I thought, I looked around my own house during February during the (laughs) pandemic, and I thought, hmm, what topic do I most need to hear about? It turns out my kids are a little angry right now, Amy. (sighs) I feel you. In this episode, we talk about helping kids manage their own anger, but we also talk about why their anger can be so hard for us to deal with when we're on the receiving end. This is um, an Achilles heel of mine. Like I tend to get a little stuck in the mode of you will respect my authority and I think maybe it's a good idea to scream at angry kids. And in (laughs) re-listening, it reminded me that (laughs) maybe not. No, there there are options. You'll you'll hear them in this episode. Yeah, the overreacting is not right. Oh, you know what else we talk about in this episode, Amy? What's that? We introduce, I believe, I, I haven't gone back and checked this But I believe this is where we first talk about the concept of the angry bear. When our children transform into angry bears. This morning we had a tiger wandering around my house. Wow, wow. And you just throw a stake at it, right? You throw a stake at a tiger and run away. Exactly. You don't try to reason with the tiger. You don't try to explain to the tiger that roaring is not helpful to anyone. You just, you don't poke the tiger, basically. I needed that remembering. Yep. Feed the angry kid first, and about half the time that takes care of it. We also talk, and I think introduce in this episode, a book that Amy and I both love and we've talked about a lot on the podcast. It's kind of like a workbook. It's called What to Do When Your Temper Flares. Oh, thank you for the... I'm going to put that in our bookshop uh, store, which you can find on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com, so you can uh, grab it if it sounds interesting to you. We love it. Yeah. Guys, I hope everyone enjoys this episode from the vault. We need a theme song, Amy. the vault. (laughs) I'm excited. You're not going to ruin this fun holiday stuff with your bad attitude. (laughs) What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I hate you so much, Mom. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. No tantrums on the ground floor. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Then you yell and I yell and then isn't mom an idiot is the outcome of this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. 
And this is Margaret. And this week we are talking about anger management. Yes. Mostly anger management for our kids. We've done an episode on anger management for moms, in case you might need that one. I don't know anybody who might need that, but if you're anything like me, you can go back and listen to Sometimes We Lose It, which is episode 81. You can find it on our website. I might be re-listening to that one myself for some reasons that I won't go into right now. This is like, it's like a Khan Academy for moms. Go back and refresh that. If you need a refresher on that, that's available. We call that in uh, learning strategies, they call it, what do they call it? It's like cycloning or something. It's like, the idea is like you come around to it again and again and again. And that's how we feel about anger management. I feel a little bit better about that. This topic, as many of our topics are, was suggested by a listener, Meredith. She said, I'm looking for a way to help my four and a half year old boy with anger management. He just got sent home from pre-K for hitting slash punching a classmate on the heels of an increasingly bad week. For what it's worth, we've recently experienced a lot of transition in our lives, moving to a new state, so a new school, a new house, etc., That sounds like important information. And then Meredith says, but looking back, I see a pattern of outsized reactions to routine things, poorly controlled emotions, difficulty with transitions, etc. I'd like to help him learn how to better manage his emotions overall and anger in particular. I'm going to start us off with a disclaimer, which this is a disclaimer for every episode of this podcast. But we're talking about like kids with like real emotional regulation issues. If we're talking about a kid who's really having trouble functioning, such as getting sent home from school, I would involve a professional in this. We're going to give you a lot of tips. Hopefully, we're going to talk it out and get some helpful advice. But if you are at the point of having like an outsized problem with this, I would talk to your pediatrician and get a recommendation for a psychologist because, as you probably know, Amy and I are comedians and moms, but what we are not is doctors. So some of this stuff may be above our level. And I want to encourage you to use whatever advice you get today, but see a doctor. You know, the touchstones that I've heard around this are if your child's meltdowns are very lengthy and very frequent, if it's to the point where anger and irritability, which are related, are kind of the primary emotional states your child is existing in. And if they're not able to limit it to spaces and places, like I think all of us have had a situation where a kid can keep it together at home, but not at school, can keep it together at church, but not on the playground. And sometimes, interestingly, can keep it together at school, but not at home, which I find interesting. Like, I've had times where I go to the school and I'm like, what about this huge problem? And they're like, we literally have no idea what you're talking about. Not a problem. But if you have a kid who is unable in any place or space to control emotions, that's certainly something you want to get bigger help at a podcast episode about. Yeah. But, you know, all of us have kids who go through this. It is a skill kids need to learn. And as with many skills, some of them have a flatter trajectory on learning it than others. Yeah. Some are late shoe tires and some are late anger management experts. Yeah. And this is a developmental phase that... You recognize, right? Like I often used to joke when my kids were toddlers, like I really miss when things go wrong, being able to fall on the floor and roll around and bang my fists and kick my feet. Like (laughs) it just is funny how we outgrow that phase. And instead we're like, oh, thanks, Brenda, for that advice on how I could make my PTA cookies better. You know, like it's just like you're not allowed anymore to just have a tantrum. 
we are as grown-ups supposed to have some level of self-regulation available. Right. And as kids get older, their self-regulation should be improving, although perhaps they have another kind of dip down. I'm speaking from uh, speaking uh, for a friend. (laughs) My friend might have noticed that at 11, 12, 13, a lot of this starts right back up again. Mm -hmm. And that's the hormones, right? That's the hormones. There's something that happens at that the beginning of puberty when the sports car engine is dropped into the car, but the brakes are on back order. That's Mm -hmm. not my Mm. metaphor. We read that somewhere. And I still think about that all the time. They have a sports car that they don't know how to drive yet. And it's a problem. All right, Amy, let's dive in. I'm not going to say this is all about me, but I I might need a little help with this in my own life right now for my kid. Okay. First, let's talk about the when this is an issue for all kids. All kids are prone to anger when their tank is empty. Right. I mean, to state the obvious, but sometimes we forget the obvious. We are, you know, in church, like, why are you behaving like this? And it's because they missed their nap or they didn't get lunch. Right. Or they had a bagel for breakfast, which is not really nutritious. Yes. Katie Hurley, who we've had on the show, she is a terrific parenting expert. We love Katie Hurley. She says they have meltdowns at times when they feel exhausted or overwhelmed And to back this up, Dr. Vasco Lopez from the Child Mind Institute, he says a majority of kids who have frequent meltdowns, they do it in very predictable situations when you can stop and take a breath and say, "Okay, why is this kid throwing themselves on the floor? It's because we moved to a new state, as Meredith said. I think it's very helpful when you can get that perspective of what else is happening. They're not doing this to drive you nuts, to make your life miserable, even though that's certainly a result in the moment. It's really about something else. And we have talked about this as an overall tip, feed the bears, right? Like the minute my kids go home from school, it's like, here's a high protein snack because otherwise you're going to find it four o'clock that like homework, no, and falling to the ground and oh my God, everything's a nightmare. And it's because you forgot to feed them. Right. Right. Just throw it and run. Throw the steak through the bars. And you've got an angry bear instead of a child. Yeah, just throw the food. It's like feeding a tiger. Just throw the steak over the bars and then run. And it's amazing once you really do this. And I see this with my teenagers who can sometimes be cranky. My spouse was asking one of them what he wanted for breakfast. He's like, do you want eggs? No, I don't want eggs. Do you want this? I don't want anything. And he left the room. And I said to my husband, like, just make the eggs and hand them to him. And I promise you, he will eat them. And he did. And of course, our eventual goal is to have our children speak to us politely. But in that moment when his tank was empty and he's just being irritable, he does want the eggs and you know he wants the eggs. So just hand them to him. Don't get in an argument with him about what he wants on his toast. He just wants toast. I'm hearing myself say this and I'm like, there might be somebody listening who's like, your kid can make his own eggs. Well, he can, but he won't. And then he'll eat like a handful of frosted mini wheats on the way out the door and then be impossible. Right. You've made it much worse. I'm in this mode and I talked about it a lot lately because it's the struggle right now of like, I just see angry tweens face and I'm like, what? You know, I just lean all the way in. And this weekend we were out doing some fun holiday stuff and I just got into the mind of like, you're not going to ruin this fun holiday stuff with your bad attitude. (laughs) And then at some point I got to the car and he was talking And he was looking at me while he was talking. And I was like, what are you saying to me? And my husband's like, we're just talking about the Mandalorian and how great it is. And I was like, oh, well, this is awkward. Okay, so I'm over leaning into like you and I have beef and I'm not letting go of it. Yeah, I mean, to the extent we can 
disengaged. Just last night, one of my kids was having trouble with homework. And I said, okay, you need to calm down, which I guess is probably not what I'm supposed to say. But I, I was and never in human history has saying calm down resulted in someone calming down. And I didn't say it in the mad way. I was saying it in what I hoped was a calming way. But of course, that was the worst thing for me to say. And he stomped away and managed to get to his room before he started saying like, I hate you so much, mom. He was yelling. <laughs> like, And I could I stood in the hallway. And I'm like, why am I fine with this? I'm not like mad like I might be otherwise or upset. I'm like, OK, I'm fine because he went to his room and closed the door first. And this is so clearly not about me that I can stand outside like it's not raining where I'm standing right here. So it's OK. And he has matured enough to go be by himself to say, ah, and oh, dude, I need to take that chip from your brain and implant it in my brain. If my kid said that to me, I'd be flying up the stairs. Right. You will never, never speak that way in my house. I am the authority. Oh, I can't let it go. Can you not let it go? Even if it was like, I mean, I think he probably was OK with me hearing it, but he like compartmentalized it. I feel like if they yell and scream in the room, it's fine. No, if I heard that in my house, I would go up and give a 20 minute lecture about how wrong it is to say that he hates me right. because I have given him everything in his life, including birth. Like I could not let that go. But they are, as Stuart Schenker would say, they are in red brain. Like he's not home right now. He can't hear you. And <laughs> right. he's what's the movie? Red Rum. Mrs. Torrance isn't here. It's Mrs. Torrance. Yeah. Like, right. He wasn't there right now. Mrs. Torrance. The little kid from The Shining is like, Mrs. Torrance isn't here right now. Whatever. Like, yeah. And then they're not. Nobody's home. Nobody's home. And then 10 minutes later, he texted me. Can you come back in and help me? I'm like, OK, like, I'm ready for my mom to help me. When you go back in, do you demand an apology? No. No, because the goal is a peaceful home. I want to be you. You know, I mean, yeah. he didn't push me down the steps. He didn't even say it to my face. You know what I mean? He like went in his room and yelled and screamed and calmed down and then, you know, sent a carrier pigeon to say, can you please help me? And if the goal is a peaceful home, he went to his room, calmed down, and then asked me to reenter, you know, the discussion with him. And he handled that so much better than he used to. That was... A big step. And so I also handled it much better than I used to because, yeah, it wasn't like, how dare you? I have something to learn from you. I, as everyone knows who listens, I have a longstanding policy. No tantrums on the ground floor. If you're going to have a tantrum, you have to be upstairs. But I have fallen into a trap lately of going upstairs to be like, the tantrum is annoying us all. It's too loud. Like, it's like, I can't not engage. I have a lot. This is my Achilles heel. I think you can't never engage. And of course, it's different. Like I'm thinking about Meredith with her four and a half year old. You can't tell a four and a half year old to go work it out and come back. Like they're going to look to you, parent. They're going to sort of like pull on you, right? Like they're drowning and they're going to pull down on you to save them while they're in this insane situation. And so it's a lot harder to disengage when they want to stay with you while they're having a tantrum. And but you still have to do it. So we're going to talk about that. Well, and also it's like the tantruming also tends to be very mom directed yep. as everything does. Like Dr. Phil says this, not my fave, but I'm going to quote him because I this stuck with me. Kids always define everything as being about themselves and like they define everything that happens. I just had to like break bad news to my kids about something and like their reaction is like why would you tell me this like mm -hmm. I'm at fault like my kid blames me for the weather like if it doesn't snow when he thought he was going to get a delay you know and they all do this to some degree why didn't you tell me we had to leave early why didn't you tell me we weren't going to miss that day of school like it's 
everything is like a cannon coming right at me. Yeah. This is all my kids. And just like we learned like a week or two ago that people are, in general, they express more gratitude to a stranger waiting on them in a restaurant than they do to their own partner at home. We definitely save our worst behavior for each other, right? Especially our kids towards us. Oh, and I think the kids save the worst behavior towards mom. Yeah. Because that's another thing I've been struggling with this year is like, my husband is the hero. But they're saving, as you say, they're saving all their love for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I get yelled. In fact, I was walking out the other day and I was dressed up. I was going to like a luncheon. And one of my kids goes to my husband, where's she going? I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But like, it's like, I don't know. It's just, this is like the cross I'm bearing this year, which is just... So you, I mean, you're right. My husband is Mr. Fun, and I am like the dictator who everybody they, just doesn't like. And I take it personally, I guess. Believe me, I'm not perfect about this. And they do, I think. They are hardest on their moms. And so I think like the sort of primary way for me to respond that has helped me is to understand more about the sort of mechanisms of anger and how a kid's brain works. It just helps when you're like, oh, this is that thing that 10-year-olds do. Right. This is that thing. This is the car. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I feel like we've had discussions on the podcast years back where you were like, you can't take it personally. And I was like, take it personally. That's crazy. Amy, what are you talking about? Because I would never take a four-year-old yelling at me personally. I'm like, oh, you're cute and weak. And ah, (laughs) look at you trying. But now that I have like older kids who are able to kind of like combat at me in like a more mature way. I'm like, oh, oh, I get it now, Amy. I am taking this personally. The low power strategies of dominance are no longer so low power. And the thing is, when it was low power strategies of dominance, I'm like, look at you, you're cute for trying. And now that it's like higher power strategies of dominance, we're like, there's a small semi-adult person coming at me. I'm like, I don't know. It's setting me off in a completely different way I did not see coming. (laughs) I think we should take a break. When we come back, let's talk about particular kids for whom anger can be a real issue and why that might be. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th Nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, 
when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Amy, tell me about particular kids who this could affect. There are some kids, and even if your kid doesn't fall under this umbrella, I think there's still takeaways. So the first type of kid for whom anger can be a particular issue is a kid with ADHD. There is a clear link between kids with ADHD and what they call emotional lability, which is the sort of unpredictable change in weather, right? When you're like, whoa, like where did that come from? You don't see it coming and they just, they turn on a dime and get really angry. So here's how ADHD. And this is ADHD, yes. ODD, spectrum issues. Like this is a big category. Yeah, you're right. It is. So Dr. Thomas Brown, he's an expert in ADHD. He says emotions like anger, fear, or shame can take over the mind of a person with ADHD, much like a computer virus takes over a hard drive. This flooding of negative emotion makes it difficult for that person to keep any other feelings in mind. So when your kid is saying, why didn't you tell me we had to leave early? They really are. There's no room in that angry kid's mind for it's not really mom's fault. You know what I mean? Or mom isn't trying to ruin my life. It really is mom is trying to ruin my life. They are 100% there. Hmm. I'm familiar with this situation, Amy. And I think this is kind of all kids. Yes. Yes. And the other thing that's interesting is that the ADHD brain, and again, I think this is like a child's brain. ADHD brain is just especially... Might be a little more turned up for what in the ADHD care? Yeah, they're turned, thank you. Turned up for stimulation. The brain of an ADHD kid craves stimulation. And when they're not getting it, they're going to get it however they need to get it. And the negative attention, anger, yelling, it releases adrenaline. It increases your heart rate. It gives you like a pop of activity in your brain and it feels good. Yeah. And it's oddly not helpful when your mom runs it and pours gasoline on that fire. But yeah, I know it, but I just have trouble not doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if you have a kid with ADHD, this is probably very familiar to you. But even if you don't, I still think this has resonance for that four and a half year old who has frequent tantrums, that, that their mind has been taken over by the negative emotion. It's flooding the zone right now. Yep. The other kind of kid for whom anger could be an issue is anxious kids. We've talked about how anxiety can look like irritability and anger that comes out of nowhere often, often does. Right? I'm pretty unpredictable. I have a quote for you from Eileen Kennedy Moore. 
I love this quote. She says, we tend to think of anxious children as these delicate little butterflies. But when kids are scared, they can be ferocious about trying to escape or avoid anxiety provoking situations. I have an insight on this, which is that one of my children has recently gone through a very, very anxiety producing situation. Like if anxiety producing situations are like on a scale of zero to 10, this has been like probably a nine and a half, like a very, very anxiety producing situation. And this child is my most even keeled child. Mm -hmm. And it has been very interesting for me to watch how that anxiety has manifested in every other way, but what I would think it would manifest in, which was like tears, basically, is what I would think this would have manifested in. And instead, it has manifested in a lot of like silliness, like over the top energy, and then a tremendous amount of like frustration, you know, like more easily frustrated than usual crankiness. Yeah, generalized crankiness. And in this case, it's very, I'm sure you can give that a lot of rope because you understand what it is, right? You're like, okay, this is clearly why it's happening and I have to let this be a little bit. Exactly. But it has made me think about all of my kids. Like, oh, what you feed in for an adult, which is like terrible situation, you expect to get out. And I think even in adults, like this kind of thing manifests in different ways for different people. But you kind of feed in difficult event and you expect on the other side, like sadness and mourning. And with kids, it's like feed in difficult event, get very strange outputs, you know, and it's Mm. it just helps me to remember that like this difficult event was like a once in a lifetime difficult event, whereas For my middle schooler, the difficult event is all day, every day. Like his friend didn't want to sit with him at lunchtime. And then he had a really hard time in math in the afternoon and had to sit outside and work alone with a teacher, which was embarrassing. Like, And that what's coming out from those stimuli is just different than what I would expect. But it's still communication, right? The behavior is communication. So you're very extra silly kid or extra frustrated or even the extra angry kid who's you know, hitting, punching a kid at pre-K, there's, they're communicating something and it's not good communication. That is such a good point. Behavior is communication. Yeah. So, and so in this case with my kid, I understood what the inciting incident was. So I saw the behavior and I was like, wow, that's kind of strange behavior. But what I have to realize with all my kids is I don't always see the inciting incident. And so I have to try to see the behavior as communication. I think that's hard, really hard. That's where this gets hard for us, right? When you have a kid, if the school calls and your kid is being sent home for hitting someone, it reminds me of Pretty Little Lies on HBO and like where the kid was acting up in the classroom and somebody was getting bitten and nobody knew how, like the, and the late intense agitation around it of all these mothers in the show showing up to pick up their kids and who did it. And it's the feeling that this is just happening for a reason we don't understand, let alone able to control. And that it's scary and that it's going to get bigger and that we can't do anything about it. I think that leads to sort of our panic in response to this. Right. But I do think you have to be careful of setting up the dynamic. The big little lies dynamic is like, it's a whole show about solving that mystery and then it gets solved. Like, you're not a detective. Like, you have to just 
deal with the behavior as it comes in, realize that it is probably coming from something, but you're not every time going to, at the end of the day, be like, oh, someone pushed you at recess. And that's what this was all about. Like, it's not a detective case every time. It's sometimes just about saying, like, this is the behavior I'm seeing. Right. How can I help you? Right. You're right. Sometimes it's useful to find that reason, but sometimes there isn't a reason that's easily found. And that's not the point is to get the kid back to calm and your household back to calm and the pre-K classroom back to calm. But these things are more in our control than we sometimes believe. And they're also more in our kids control than our kids can believe, especially when they're little. I think the things that make Kids who tend to be angry, like if you have that kid with a little bit of the storm cloud over their head, the things that make them angry on a daily basis when you have one of those kids are fairly predictable. Like, yes, they don't like to be interrupted. That's the kind of kid who my kid who is quick to anger. He needs a warning, right? He needs a like in 10 minutes, we're going to have to stop in 10 minutes. You're going to have to leave. You can't spring things on him. This is we call it priming the pump but it's like that thing of like not springing information is good but really it can be hard to avoid like this is also a thing where you don't want to get into a habit which is easy to do with a kid who has a short trigger of I sometimes I'm like okay we always have to warn this kid an hour in advance it's impossible like we're all getting ready to go ride bikes and then as we pull out with the bikes it starts pouring rain and it's like there's always going to be times where you can't do the option which is like I know my kid has this trouble so I try to do this solution it can be really hard right accommodating is not the only strategy you don't want to over accommodate that's the problem right They have to, I think you can move, these kids can move toward awareness. We can talk about that. But I want to go through the things that make angry kids angry. I think there's a couple of like big ones, right? I want to see if I'm right about these. Getting interrupted, losing a game, like not being necessarily very good sports about Monopoly or the wiffle ball in the backyard if it doesn't go their way. Yes. How about like loud chewing other small noises? Kids who are intolerant of that kind of stuff. And we have a loud chewer who is intolerant of being told he's a loud chewer <laughs> and children who are annoyed by the loud chewer. So by the end of dinner, everyone is unhappy. It is so funny, the loud chewing thing. I have a little bit of the loud chewing thing, too, but at least I know it like it's a thing. I have a kid who is completely intolerant of anybody eating yogurt or sour cream. But this kid knows to just move like instead of like oh gross that kind of thing this child will just absent themselves from the situation they'll just quietly get up and leave the table and then come back well what you're getting at there is kind of the core of the issue which is this is what we're trying to work with all of our kids on who my kids are still kind of on the young side and one of my kids is wound pretty tight so he's going to work on this for the rest of his life you can feel however you want but you have to behave correctly. And so when you come in, I have a child who is super grossed out by old food. And occasionally we will be cooking something and something gets left out or even like the cat food is old, whatever it is. The minute he walks into the kitchen, it's like, oh, get that out of me. Oh, that's disgusting. And he just goes. And I'm like, okay, we're going to just work every time this happens on, hey, could you move that cat bowl for me? It's really grossing me out. We're not at the point yet where he can move the cat bowl. That's many moons away. 
But you can be grossed out by the cat bowl. You can not be able to eat in the room with the cat bowl. That's fine. But you can't walk in and scream at us because the cat bowl is there. And it's like, right, your feelings are valid or not valid. Who cares? Your feelings are your feelings. But your behavior has to be right. Or you definitely can't get to the like, you're yelling at your spouse, like, you know, he hates that. You should have moved the cat bowl. He's a, he came in and you know, like when you start getting mad at each other for not properly accommodating the cranky person's things like that's problematic. And I saw a friend of mine recently doing that with a kid, not about cat food, but I'll let that be the example. And her takeaway was that she should be mad at her spouse, that her spouse wasn't properly accommodating the thing that he knew the kid hated. We are anti-accommodation here at the What for a Shell podcast, guys, because I have kids who have very strong feelings on things. And like, I have a kid who hates to travel in the car. And so literally, whenever I suggest something, I could be like, let's go to the candy factory and eat candy all day long. And he's like, how far away is it? Because the idea is like, if it's more than an hour in the car, he doesn't want to go, you know. And then I have a kid who's very difficult about food and smells. And so like, we want to, we're going to go grab dinner as a family. Ah, I don't want to go. It's going to smell whatever it is. I try as hard as I can not to accommodate those things. And sometimes I get tired and I'm like, oh, let's just stay home rather than listening to complain or complain about the smells or travel guy worried about how far away it is. But I fight that urge with everything I have. I try not to accommodate difficulty. Look, if it's at like, you know, your great uncle's funeral and the kid is being cranky and you hand them a little bit of candy, that's accommodating. That's fine. Right. When it's starting to affect your daily life, the problem is you're accommodating the like, now I can't be around cat food. Now there can't be cat food in the house anymore. So the cat has to eat outside now. Right. That if you accommodate it, it doesn't go away. It just kind of becomes a little bit larger. The margins like now I'm going to try this and see how it goes. And their anxiety or their anger can actually get larger instead of smaller. So you have to put you're right. The last piece of this is getting the kid, even at a pretty young age, to start to take ownership of this is my anger and these are the things I can do about it. And there's actually a really, really good book that I want to recommend. It's called What to Do When Your Temper Flares, A Kid's Guide to Overcoming Problems with Anger. It's by Don Hubner. You can get it on Amazon. I'll put a link on our show page for the episode at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Please put a link. I know someone who wants to buy one. No names. It is so good. So I'll tell you a little bit more about how this book works after the break, but it really helps because it just gives the kid the steps they need, walks them through it, lots of cartoons. It really, really breaks it down. So when we come back, I'll tell you a little bit more about what Don Hubner says about how to help kids handle this. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. 
Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts, starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. And now, teaching moms anger management from the What Fresh Hell podcast. You're in Target with three children under six. Your oldest has run off, the baby has had a diaper blowout, and your three-year-old is screaming repeatedly and at full volume that they need a giant teddy bear they've spotted in the toy aisle. Just then, an older woman approaches you. You hope that perhaps she will offer to take some number of your children back to her house and raise them as her own. But instead, she touches your shoulder, looks deep into your eyes, and says... Enjoy every moment, Mama. You'll be tempted to grab a Lego set off a nearby shelf and beat this woman about the head and neck with it until she flees. But that's a bad choice. Instead, we suggest taking a deep breath and walking away and then writing something mean about her on Instagram when you get home. Okay, Mom, you've got company coming in an hour. The house is a mess and you've asked your spouse to lend a hand with emergency cleanup. During your frenzy of shoving items into the downstairs closet and Lysoling every possible surface, you look around to find that your significant other has decided that now would be a good time to unravel the random box of computer cords that lives in the living room closet. You'll be tempted to cancel your gathering and instead call a divorce attorney. But that would be rash. Instead, we suggest redirecting your beloved partner to a helpful task such as cleaning the bathroom. After the event, don't forget to find a moment of calm to carefully explain to your spouse the meaning of the word priorities. Uh Uh-oh. Your kid has started scratching their head and a quick trip to the bright lights of the bathroom confirms it's lice. Your first instinct will be to burn down your entire home and start a new life far away. But that's stinking thinking, Mama. Instead, it's time to roll up those sleeves, find the shampoo and lice brush, and cancel your plans for the day in favor of hot laundering everything in your home. But we totally won't judge you if you want to take a moment first and do some really hardcore crying. And or beating your breast and screaming why while shaking your fists at the heavens. Guys, we're fine with that. Totally reasonable. This has been Teaching Moms Anger Management. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, tell me more about this magic book, which one of us will be ordering in the next five minutes. Okay, I'm going to say the name again. It's called What to Do When Your Temper Flares. And it's like it's a workbook, but it has cartoons and things in it. I may have purchased this book for a child in my life. The point of the book is to walk the kids through like you feel angry and it has them like draw when they feel angry. Give me like a what's the age range for this book? I would say it is from seven to twelve. Hmm. And maybe a precocious, you know, five or six year old could handle it, too. So all of my children fit in the category. Yes. And the ideas, you could even read it to a younger child. 
So she starts with talking about sparks. Actually, she doesn't start with it, but she gets to it in like chapter four, right? Sparks that can start a fire. If your anger is a fire, you know, and it's burning, there's a spark and a spark can set you off. She uses the example of if there's pollen in the air and you sneeze, that's a spark. So what are the sparks that make you angry? And she has a couple different exercises that the kid can go through and they can be everything from like the cat food to my brother teases me. Right to like, I hate when my mom rushes me in the morning, gives them an opportunity to draw it and think about it. List your sparks is her overall point. And your child is more likely to notice their reaction and control it. Like, oh, there it is. There's my spark. And here's that feeling. And she has them name both what their sparks are. And then she has them name. And when my mom tells me to rush, I get a tightness in my chest or I get, you know what I mean? Or I ball my hands into fists and she gives them checklists so they can find the thing. And once they know that, of course, they can control the reaction sooner and sort of douse the spark before it becomes a fire. Oh, that sounds great. It's really clever. But then there's another step. There's another step beyond that because it's good for us, too, right? There are some sparks that are in your control, like if you're very cranky in the morning That's kind of in your control. Maybe I should go to bed earlier and you can start to control it. Then there are sparks that are out of your control, like when you're teased at school by your friends, like it's probably going to happen. And that's when you start to have what she calls cool thoughts. This is sort of a cognitive behavioral therapy thing. I'm going to have a cool thought ready to go when I, you know, so when I think inside, everybody hates me, you know, I'm never going to have any friends at school. I can have the cool thought, hey, you know, I'm okay. I'm still standing here and I'm going over to Peter's house tomorrow, right? And then then the last thing she sort of explains is that you shouldn't go for the payback. And this is sort of for the kid that hits or, you know, has incredible tantrums that you can, she talks about like throwing a ball back and forth that's spiky. So it actually hurts your hands when you catch it and then you throw it back and then they throw it back at you that you don't have to catch the spiky ball. You can just let it drop and you're actually more powerful. And she just does it. She walks through it in such a clear way that it really helps. Yeah, it just it really would help a kid that was going through this to see it. Yeah, it really is in my own best interests. Because guess what? You know, here's what we haven't really talked about. Our kid who's angry all the time, they don't really want to be angry and cranky all the time. They really... Oh, yet another example where you're like, oh, this seems like a lot of work. But at the end of the day, like, it's better for everybody. It doesn't feel good to be out of control. Right. Or it it doesn't feel good right after you're out of control, right? Like it feels great to yell, but then afterwards you just feel depleted and mad at yourself. And, you know, even our kids, like, you know, your son that hit somebody in the playground, they didn't want to do that. They're very upset now that they're in the principal's office and mom's being called and I'm going to get yelled at when I get home and they're right. I shouldn't have hit. There's a lot of other stuff that comes flooding in after the anger. Well, that's the thing. And my mom, who was a therapist, would talk all the time about boundary-seeking behavior. And I think anger is a boundary-seeking behavior fundamentally. And like, yeah, it's just such a good framing when you think about most people who talk to me about problems they're having with their kids. I think to myself, your child is engaging in boundary-seeking behavior. They are looking for you to tell them that you are in control. And so anger is out of control. And your 
child who is tantruming, who is maybe swearing, who is doing any kind of out of control behavior is fundamentally seeking control from you. Their behavior is saying, I feel out of control and they are looking to you to control them. That's why like sometimes with a tantruming three-year-old, the best thing you can do is like bear hug them and hold them tight. You know, it's like, you are out of control and I am going to control you. And that feeling of control is a lot of what kids are seeking. It's like they want you to be the weighted blanket, right? It's you are the human weighted blanket. That's why weighted blankets work because it's like my nervous system is so agitated and this heavy thing lying on top of me makes me feel calm. That's why like thunder shirts for dogs work, right? Like I feel jittery and out of control, but this heavy thing is making me feel better. Like... A lot of times a kid is a fire and they're looking for you to be like the wet blanket that lays on top of it. And I just think it's it can be a good way to think about it. And I've lost that a lot with my kid who's driving me crazy right now, which is like this behavior is saying I feel out of control. And when I run in and I'm like, you feel out of control. How do you think I feel like I'm not helping the situation? Right. They are looking for like me to calm the situation. And too often lately, I'm running in with the gas can instead. And there is something that can happen because I've seen it happen when you get less reactive. They can actually, at least in the short term, like ramp it up. Like, why aren't you doing the thing that you do where you yell back at me? Right. They like, no, 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 no. This is how it's going to go. And then you yell and I yell. And then then it's isn't mom an idiot is the outcome of this. When you do the weighted blanket thing instead they can struggle more in the short term because it's just it's unexpected and confusing. Yes. And I do think this gets harder as they get older. And so like that's I think the transition that I'm having trouble with is like I know how to do this with a four year old. I know how to like hold them tight and be like, it's OK. Try to breathe. Try to calm down. Like I get it with a four year old and I'm finding that it is a lot harder with an 11, 12, 13 year old. You know, like I can see it's getting harder to be like. I can't literally like put my arms around him and hold him still, you know, like I have to find new methods of being. And what I don't want to say is like, because I think this is the problem. The wet blanket metaphor can help make you think that what your job is to overcome the emotion. And I think that's where I'm getting into trouble with my 11 year old. I think I'm trying to like literally like overcome his emotion and put it out. And we're ending up both getting really ratcheted up. And I think sometimes overcoming it is like you do with your kid. Like you're upstairs, you can scream and yell whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And you put your own fire up. Because that's right. Because they have to. It's not your job anymore to put it out. Right. It's your job to sort of model behavior, right? It's your job to be a little bit impassive when they come at you with that stuff. And yeah, I know this kid is stressed. It's like you said, he's found his boundary by being upstairs. If he was screaming, I hate you, mom, at the kitchen table, it would be a different situation. Yes, it would be. It's like he has found his space where he is going to work out his stuff and then he can re-engage when he's calm. Yeah. It's like, that's what I think I'm having trouble with the transition with my big one. Like, okay, I think this is more your thing to solve and I have to stop getting involved in it. And because I'm a control freak, it's hard for me. And they're not going to solve it. You need to be less angry around here because it stinks for the rest of us. That's not really motivating to them. But but coming at it with, you don't really want to feel this way. And here's the thing, you're doing it for a reason, right? And coming at it in an age appropriate way. 
you're doing it for a reason. You're really doing it because you have three tests this week. You're really doing it because you're moving next month. You're really doing it because it's the, you know, the anniversary of the month that your parent died. You know, like there's a reason. And if you know what the reason is, then you might be more likely to stop it. And spoiler alert, they're not going to be like, oh, thank you for pointing that out. I right. feel so much better. They're going to be like, that's not what it is. It has nothing to do with that. You're dumb. Like, they're not going to come back and be like, oh, great insight, mom. Right. I'm calm now. Like that. But the goal is to try to help them connect feeling and result. Right. Yeah. The exact wrong thing to do. And I've learned this the hard way and I don't do it anymore is when my kid yelled at me. Went in their room, screamed and yelled, then sent me a text, can you come help me with this? And I went right back in like, okay, all right, let's, like, you know, as if it didn't happen. Oh, Amy, 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 where can I get a dose of that? (laughs) I was so proud of myself. I go back in and I'm like, do you want to say something about your behavior from before? And I just start the whole whirly gig up again. Right. Are we going to talk about that? Right. Because the goal is the calm. And this kid did it without me and got calm. And guess what? Needs my help. Like in that, and I guess I could also sort of lean into the vulnerability of that. Like, this kid needs me. Well, I think when you say like boundary seeking behavior, they're searching for that. But I'm a little stuck maybe on boundary seeking behavior because there's also with tweens and teens a little bit more like connection seeking behavior. And sometimes I'm so focused on the boundary that I miss the connection. Right. And as they get older, I mean, it occurs to me that, you know, a four year old would sort of always be mommy, 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 right? I mean, right. they're always connected. Yeah. A teenager, when they're like, mom, I need you right now. Will you help me with this? That's an offer that you're not getting all day, every day like you used to. And so it's maybe a little bit easier to respond positively instead of like, oh, right now you need me. Great. A little bit less incessant for me at this point. Dude, this episode has been chock full of revelations (laughs) for me. I'm changed. I'm deeply changed. Stephanie Clint We've done this quote on the show before, and I think it's so good. I'm going to say it again. She says that we as parents, we need to work on coping skills to lower our own reactivity. I don't know what you're talking about, Stephanie (laughs) Clint. What? Totally unfamiliar. But you're right. Like the weighted blanket isn't like it isn't coming in over the top, right? It's just being a weighted blanket. (laughs) Just a pile of heavy on the floor. Well, I think for me, like what I'm really actually realizing this for the first time while we're having this conversation, I think with little kids coming over the top often is what you need to do and like zero tolerance. And that's not how we behave. But with like the tween, it's a little bit more about like, you know, the rules, you're breaking them. Go excuse yourself until we can find connection and then leading with connection. I didn't get that before we were talking about it today. Here's the truth bomb is that this book gets to another truth bomb. I may not be ready, Amy. I might be truth bombed out. It's kind of a spoiler alert. But since the book is for our kids, this book about when your temper flares, there's a big top secret, like get to the end of the book and there'll be a, you know, a huge secret, just like that Grover book. You know, there's a monster at the end of the book and the monster is Grover. My favorite book ever. The best book. I agree. They made an iPad app version of that. I don't know if it's still around because my kids, you know, it's been five, six years since we had it, but it was adorable. Go check it out. Gosh. It was like a great iPad book, you know? Yeah. Because they could, because he's like, do not cut these ropes. And then you could hit it to cut the (laughs) And it's like the ropes are animated and stuff. It's really fun. Go see if they have it still, if you've got little ones. So here's the secret waiting at the end of this book. She says, the only thing that makes you angry is you. (gasps) Dong, dong. 
No, my kid would be like, the only thing that makes me angry is mom. Yeah, like it's really not mom. <laughs> my dumb old mom who does everything wrong. Is my stupid mom. She's like, mm, that you, kid, can decide in that moment whether to be angry or not. You're making yourself angry and you can stop it sooner. And that's a big lesson, but... I think that our kids having a dawning realization of that, that they can do something about it is really good for them and will really help with this. Like that's the most important thing. But you can't sort of like lay that on your five-year-old and walk away. Like, guess what, mister? Well, I think that's right. And another observation that I have just in thinking about this is that for me, and I think for a lot of people, I think some people less so than others, but for me, anger is very scary. I don't like anger. I don't like to be around people who are yelling. I didn't come from like a volatile household. I don't know if I just don't have like the callus for yelling, but I, if someone yells at me, it ruins my whole day. Like I don't like anger. It just, nobody likes it, but I think I might be like more sensitive than some to it. And I think one of the reasons why I'm having trouble coping with this is because I'm very frightened of anger, you know, and I don't like it's like I don't want to break it to the kid that we're going to go on a three hour drive because I don't want to deal with his anger about it. I don't want to break terrible news to my other kid because I know it's going to be anger producing. I am freaked out if the snow is going to turn to rain before my kids get to play in it because one of them is going to freak out about it. Like I need to like make friends with anger a little bit more and be like, This is just an angry kid. This isn't a terribly scary monster. Right. It's a storm that you can stand outside. It's a storm that you can stand in. But I'm like, I get so like, oh, I don't want the storm. So I'm going to control everything. So there's never a storm. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. Does work. I mean, I think we solved this 10 ways. (laughs) I will say we always say we solved it, but I actually (laughs) solved some things today. Like, I really feel better equipped to handle this after this conversation. So thank you, Amy. Yeah, I do too. This was a really good refresher course for me. And Meredith, I hope that it goes well with your son and let us know. There's a couple of ways you can give us topics for shows or just be in touch with us. And that is on our Facebook page, facebook.com. It's What Fresh Hell Cast. And we have a group as well where you guys can talk to one another about your stuff. And it's a really exciting group of people. Oh, the group is so good, guys. If you're not in the What Fresh Hell podcast group, just find it and join and started our Facebook page and you can find it. It is a really fun group of like funny moms who are helping each other out with lots of like laughs and insight. It's great. Please do it. And some dads too. And dads too. I always say moms because we're moms, but there's lots of dads there too. We love the dads. We're also on Instagram at WhatFreshHellCast and we're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. Guys, if you liked our episode, give us a rating. Go to WhatFreshHellPodcast.com where all this information will be and also information about how to rate the podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week. We'll talk to you then. Bye. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.